0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: Just like that, final hours here for this Tuesday edition. Hot Mike with with Withrow across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us, uh, including uh, streaming live, uh, multiple places, live on YouTube. You can join Chad in the chat, as well as uh, you can... Uh, go back to the OutKick account on X and find the, uh, the, the last post that, with the link today. And, and uh, repost it. And repost it for us. That's right. Uh, as many times as you would like. And it, as well as uh, live at OutKick.com now. So you can uh, join us at those three places and more, as well as listen on this great radio network and, and platform. We welcome in Michael McHenry to the show to uh, dive into the ALCS, NLCS, and plenty of playoff discussion in Major League Baseball. The Fort joins us. What's up, man?
2: I was just sharing the link, like you told me to. There we go. Thank you. Yeah. Do it I again. feel like you're bossing me around a little bit. A so man, just, can follow do, you do it twice if you'd like.
1: <laughs> they, they
3: always called uh, Michael McHenry a very coachable player. In his years in Major League Baseball. Yeah. So he's never been accused of not being coachable. And he's showing that once again by reposting that tweet.
1: Thank you so much. Ma- Appreciate
2: it. Hey, no no problem. Maybe a little overcoachable at times, but uh, I do like being the monkey in the middle right now. I'm, I'm enjoying this. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, good.
1: The Former Major Leaguer and now a Major League Analyst uh, joining us here on the show. So we uh, have got Bryce Harper leading the way for the Phillies. 1-0 lead now uh, for uh, Philadelphia. Meanwhile, two games... And already in the books for Texas, uh, the Rangers over the Astros. Let's start in the AL. What do you make of the Rangers and the dominant performances that we've seen and the way that they found uh, to to get outs when it was much needed late in games?
2: Yeah, everybody was worried about that bullpen. I mean, that bullpen's been stretched thin. It's not really that good. It's not a playoff-type bullpen when you look at the other teams. But you have Bochy. You have a lot of guys that have been there, done that. I mean, you look at the guy that pitched last night. He was phenomenal once again. And Voldy, just so good. And he seems to step his game up on a whole nother level when he's in that playoff atmosphere. And now, lo and behold, who do we have starting game three, going back to Texas? Mad Max. The two-eyed monster is going to come back. Whether he's good or not, I think the fan base is going to get around that so much. And that's old school baseball. You're not going to see that... A lot of places, you wouldn't see that in Tampa. You probably wouldn't see that in Pittsburgh unless they're fighting for their life. This guy's coming in when they're up 2-0. That says what this means. Guys want to win. They want to win now. And when a guy of his caliber comes back from the injury he had, it's remarkable.
3: It's also remarkable to me. I had read and heard about Astros' their struggles at home. I didn't realize they were sub-500 at home for the season. And now losing both the two games in Houston to start this series – that's pretty crazy when you think about a team with that level of success, seventh straight year, going to the ALCS for the Astros and a losing record at home throughout the regular season. It's pretty rare.
2: Yeah, I'm sure you guys have heard, don't take anything for granted. I mean, these guys have been there over and over again, time and time again, and you almost wonder, are they taking it for granted? I mean, if nothing else, if I'm playing against Texas, in-state rival, I've fought them all year just to prove that we are the best team in one state, the biggest state in the United States, I believe. I'm not sure. I'm not very good at geography. But when you look at that, there's bragging rights there. And it's going to carry over to next year because a lot of these guys are back. So the fact that they're down 0-2, their backs are against the wall. But Derek Cheater said it the other day on Fox, you do not want to bet against this team. And he remembered a time when he was up 3-0 and they ended up losing. But not many teams have ever been able to come back when it's, O2 at home because that advantage is so big and so vast, but for the Astros, it hasn't been. So it, it's kind of kooky to me, but at the end of the day, they also have a legendary manager that's probably going to get them going. And they have a lot of guys that have been there. Let's see if they can bounce back. I did not like that Valdez interview. If you didn't see it. Oh, I, I just missed a pitch here, pitch there. He didn't really take ownership. He didn't really take that that mentality that you should take as a leader, a guy that's a frontline starter, he kind of just passed the buck, and I don't like that at all.
3: Nick Castellanos is the, the new Mr. October. Five home <laughs> runs in three games for the Phillies, and the more I watch this team and see stories like that, this feels like Destiny's Child, and I'm not talking about Beyonce with this Phillies team, uh, possibly going on a march Maybe they play through the World we'll Series. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, what, what do you, do you think mean? about this group?
2: Well, you have to clarify, what, what does that mean, Destiny's Child? I mean, I know you like to dance to them you know, in the bathroom, yeah, I'm, I'm getting ready. They,
3: they are the child of Destiny this year that has been chosen uh-huh. to get hot at the right time. And I'm talking about from like June 15th on, right? They've been the hottest team in baseball, I, th- I think, since mid-June. They started terribly, and they've been incredible since. And they've carried that momentum throughout. So is this Destiny's team this postseason?
2: I believe it is. But with that being said, the way the Diamondbacks have played, how gritty they are, and how they can beat you in a lot of different ways, it's ke- if Kelly comes out and pitches really, really well, which is going to be extremely tough in Philadelphia, he already made a huge mistake by saying, oh yeah, it couldn't be any worse than the World Baseball Classic when I was pitching against Venezuela. Come on. You don't say those things. You're going into Philadelphia. You just literally opened up Pandora's box. Philly's going to go absolutely bonkers. I guarantee you there's some drums there. They're going to go ham on Kelly tonight, and he's going to realize he made a mistake by saying that.
3: Speaking of halftime shows, Bryce Harper looks like a guy who could absolutely shred on guitar uh, on stage somewhere (laughs) if the Phillies were, in fact, a band. Did you like the uh, 31st birthday celebration on the home run last night where he put the 31 up and blew the candles out (laughs) as he was crossing home plate?
2: Yeah, and they don't lose when he homers. I mean, they're 10-0. In, in his career when, when he homers, they do not lose. And he is just in some type of place. I mean, you think about him coming back, learning a new position at first base, which is not easy at all. I mean, he's been really a liability when it comes to defense and right field, because he's played through so many different injuries. That's the advantage of signing a guy like Harper. He's going to fight. He's going to claw. He's going to play any opportunity he has, whether there's a muscle or a tendon hanging off of him, he's going to go out there. And that's what he did this year. He came back from Tommy John, way faster than any human being should he did it well his power was down it took off at the end had a huge year I'm telling you right now if he was you know healthy from uh, day one he probably would have been right in that MVP race with Acuna and Mookie Betts because he's right in the middle of his prime it seems like he really understands who he is he's down to earth and he's just taking off and the guys around him are playing really well by the way Castellanos has actually taken that power of Scooby-Doo Back from the All Star break, I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. that's why he's playing so well. He had his Scooby snacks.
1: The uh, the the Rangers claim to be taking the power of Creed uh, in the clubhouse, listening to Creed <laughs> as to giving them the the support and the uh, the energy they need to go and perform well. Did did uh, did you have a, a a music playlist, or did mm-hmm. the teams you're a part of ever have a song or a band that you absolutely had to hear in the clubhouse prior to a game? Can you take a big us game? higher right now? Yeah. Arms wide oh, absolutely.
2: I, I can literally take you almost year by year, but tell one me it of my was Creed, one
1: of those years. Please
3: tell me it was Creed, at least one of those years.
2: The story would be too good if it was. Uh, it's not. It's Journey. Don't Stop Believing. It's good. Pittsburgh, 2013. One of my favorites was Africa, Toto. We're the best double oh, A yeah. team in all of baseball. It was magical. And then, you know, when I was in Tampa Bay, it, it became Hammer Time by Lecrae. I don't know how it happened. We got a Christian rapper thrown in there, and it's because we just punched everybody out i think we're fifth all time even in major league baseball still today is that a cover of mc hammer
3: or is this different hammer time not at all i hear hammer time i think mc hammer and parachute pants this is something different
2: once again that should be maybe your halloween costume and i'd love to see you dance (laughs) yep
1: yeah Uh, please jars of clay was another season for you
2: uh (laughs) kurt franklin and mercy me (laughs) kurt franklin absolutely yeah no, we were we were all over the place. Kanye West actually made it one one year in uh the Arizona Fall League. So I will say Kanye West won us a championship.
1: Michael McKenry, our guest, uh the the fort running through the the playoffs with us. So the run that the Rangers have been on, what, seven straight games now to, to open the the postseason? Uh you've got the Phillies who are just mashing, they're raking at the plate. Um, in the clubhouse, don't you kind of know? If you're on a run like that, this feels like a midsummer type run where you're just in a groove. Don't don't you know that you're winning the series?
2: Yeah, I feel like you have that kind of knack when when you when you're rolling. You just have that you know feeling like hey, nothing can stop us, nothing can beat us. And it's almost after that first inning. If you look at the season in total, about fifty three percent of the teams that scored first ended up winning. Right now in the postseason, it's almost sixty five percent. So when you get off to a good start, whether it's, you know, you're at home, you have a really good starter in Wheeler who went out again and punched eight tickets and threw six innings, out outstanding outing. If if you have that again from the Phillies starter and he comes out and just puts his foot down early on, and then they score early in the ball game, and there's an early home run, you're gonna see that Arizona Diamondback team deflate. You're gonna see Houston deflate in Texas when they are going absolutely bonkers, especially. With that closed dome there, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming they're going to try to close it. MLB may open it, but when you close those places, it gets so loud. It's like a airplane hangar. If you've ever yelled in an airplane hangar, it echoes. These places get absolutely wild.
1: And, and in the opposite clubhouse, what's it like when you know the opposition, they're not going to be stopped. They're on their roll.
2: Now, I think with the younger clubhouse in Arizona, that they're probably a little bit of a panic. You know, in, in that in that clubhouse, when you look at all the young players and who they rely on, I mean, you look at their best player. He's a rookie. I mean, Corbin's been phenomenal this this postseason. I believe I wrote down his stats, 381. He's got, you know, six walks, eight hits. He's been still in base, been doing a little bit of everything. But if he doesn't go, they don't go. It seems like they've got to figure out a way for another guy to step up to slow the game down, but they have a really good staff. Jeff Banderson is one of my favorite people in baseball There's some really good stuff out there on him and how he's been a huge part of this. And he said, embrace the chaos when I was a pirate. That's kind of their motto now. So I think they're okay, but they're definitely, they're back against the wall. Anxiety's up, stress is up. And if you're winning, it feels like nothing can go wrong until it does. And then that's when you don't want it to snowball.
3: So Trevor May of the A's announces his retirement on Twitch. And in that announcement, he goes off. On John Fisher the owner of the A's he calls him a dork he tells him to he says sell the team dork He says there are plenty of people who actually care about the game and care about things they own Uh, There are hundreds if not thousands of people that have lost their job in Oakland You haven't said anything or care at all about it I get that you're a billionaire But it doesn't impress anyone because you inherited mommy and daddy's money and have never done anything with your life I mean went all in and probably said a lot of the same things that pretty much everyone who's ever been affiliated with the Oakland version of the A's would like to say about him.
2: Yeah, it's bold. I mean, that, that that's something that can push you out of the game for life. So he had to really believe it. He knew what he was doing. He he kind of took a huge step forward to do something that probably a lot of players have wanted to do and kind of have their peace, have their moment where they can let it all kind of hang out there. I mean, I've had some moments where, you know, I wanted to absolutely erupt on the front office, a GM, an owner, because of all the lies that you hear sometimes you, you hear one thing and it's just not the truth. And really, if you just hit me straight, I'm, I'm fine. I think a lot of players feel that way and they just want to understand where it's going. And think about the fan, you have even more separation from that ownership group. They don't get anything. They, they get the political answer. They don't get much of anything. I think if these owners were more transparent, if MLB was more transparent, even MLBPA was more transparent of what they're trying to do with the game, where it's trying to go And really have maybe some town halls and talk to these fans of what matters you wouldn't have a a guy like may coming out who's a nice guy he's not going to come out and say those things but obviously there is something emotionally wrecking him right now for him to even want to do that because that's a bold move that could push him out of the game because those owners stick together and i'm sure manford's going to make sure that you know he's maybe punished in some way if he wants to try to get in the game but if I'm another ownership group, I'm looking at a guy like that, like, hey, he cares about the fans, he cares about the city, he cares about the players around him. Maybe he's a good hire. I need to go talk to this guy. Because everybody has a side to their story. I'm sure the owner does too. But the reality is, they don't share it. And if you don't share it, the assumption's always going to be there.
1: Ford, for I've got two quick ones, uh, about a minute mm-hmm. each on these. First, uh, Bryce Harper uh, wants to see and hopes to see that MLB players could participate in the Olympic Games in 2028. Do you think MLB allows it? And if not, why not?
2: Let's go hockey puts it on hold. Let's go. We we need a gold medal. And the reason I say that I'm wearing my hat, I wear it every yep. single day. The team that I went and and tried to help maybe win a gold medal ended up winning bronze United States of America. When it comes to baseball is, is falling the wrong direction. You have the Dominican Republic that's picking up. You have Venezuela, but those aren't the teams that are really growing. You look at what Korea is doing. South Korea, China and Japan—they're taking off, and if we don't represent our country, they're going to continue to get better and better and better, and we're going to actually lose what we are in the United States. And it's our American pastime. It's not Japan's. It's not China's. It's United States of America.
1: And we had Mike—we had Mike Vec on yesterday, who's the father of uh, Game Day Promotions, Minor League. Promotions it led to a many things. Some could say the Savannah Bananas, or even Disco uh, Demolition Night. He was behind that with the White Sox. What was the best minor league game promotion that you were a part of?
2: Easy midget wrestling. (laughs) By far the best thing I've ever seen. I I would want to be a promoter if I could, or even an agent. So if anybody's out there, little guy, I I would love to help. Or person, excuse me. I absolutely loved it. They walked in from right field. I swear the entire song played in their walk up song because it took them so long. It was phenomenal. And they they oh. they played the personality. They came off the top ropes. I saw a backflip. Phenomenal. Well, see, they, wrestling the,
3: blast. That's what's a ama- Great answer, by the way. But the uh, <laughs> uh Mike sorry, Bill Vec, Mike's dad, was also famous. One of the things he did was he brought a little person in to bat in the major leagues. And he walked. On four pitches because his strike zone was so small, <laughs> but he batted for the White Sox in an actual game when he was the owner. I love the vision of you for just being the guy who like makes all the deals yeah. for the little people <laughs> everywhere. Like You're coming like, my guy here in his contract, he gets this hotel room, he gets this, and you're the one that's there fighting for him. I love it.
2: Absolutely. So maybe I'll just start an agency. If you guys want in, maybe some equity, we'll talk about it.
1: I'm in. let's 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 talk about it yeah it reminds me of wcw back in the day and you know what you know what will be with our (laughs) with
3: our employees or our our colleagues transparent unlike john fisher we we will have an ethos of transparency with anyone that we represent in this agency
2: yeah there's no doubt about it and i feel like davey fits somewhere in this
1: yeah oh yeah
2: yeah davey definitely fits
1: he could be the hill manager we're the jerry mcguires he's the bob (laughs) sugar of the agency michael thank you man we always enjoy this let's do it again soon
2: Hey, sounds good, guys. Take care. God bless.
1: All the way uh, on the path to the World Series. We've on the path to the NFL draft as well. The top players in college football. We'll discuss several of them with Jim Nagy of the Reese's Senior Bowl next. Coming up, we discuss Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, and Bill Belichick. with My Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. It's time to discuss the, the top college prospects headed to both the Reese's Senior Bowl coming up in February and also the NFL Draft and to an NFL market near you. Jim Nagy joins us. Always great to catch up with the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl as we scout college football. Jim, hope things are well.
0: Things are good. It's great to see you guys back together. That's after right. After a couple oh, weeks. We
3: agree. We, we agree. agree. Yeah. No, every every now and you- again, you know, love on the rocks. You just got to separate a little bit. and Separation then anxiety that, is real. That it's time to come back together. And it was time for us to
1: come back together this week. Love it. Did you make it to Seattle?
0: I did not, man. I wish I did. Chad, I by the way, he said game. it was
1: 50-50 that he would go.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and we swung it 51-49 in favor of my wife. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> So uh, no, I did not make it. Actually, I took the weekend off. It was the first weekend I didn't go out to a game, but it was awesome just to sit on my couch and watch that football game. Um, there were some there were some great games, but that was uh, that one did not disappoint.
3: What 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 stood out to you about that game? Watching it, uh, obviously, great atmosphere and good rivalry rivalry between those two teams. But player wise, what what stuck with you?
0: Yeah, first off, West Coast stepped up. That was a great showcase of West Coast football. Those they they. Uh, they brought it. That Both fan bases did a great job. But uh, it really was about the quarterbacks. Um, it was about the quarterbacks, and there was a lot of great NFL talent on, on both sides of the ball. Um, and it's not like we weren't paying attention to them, but the, the big takeaway was what these quarterbacks did under some pressure. Um, I think we talked about it last week that um, the stat was out there that going into the game, Bo Nix was the least pressured quarterback in college football, and, and I think Michael Penix was the fifth least pressured going into that game and now they finally went against the defense that had you know multiple NFL picks on each side and uh they got heated up a little bit and uh you saw them in some different situations more realistic NFL situations with with people in their face and and uh pressure and tighter windows and and saw how they performed and I thought both guys did great um but Pet- Michael Penix coming on the field after that stalled fourth down um and going bang bang and just the quick strike nature of what Washington's offense is and and scoring that late go ahead touchdown. Um, that was big time for Michael Penix, that's for sure. And, and again, it, taking nothing away from Bo Nix, he got back on the field, let his team down, they missed the field goal.
1: Um, but I thought both quarterbacks helped themselves. What has Bo Nix done to help himself by making the move to Oregon from where he was at Auburn?
0: Well, I, I think he needed to make the move. Again, uh, for people that are down here in the southeast part of the country, and especially in the state of Alabama where we are. Uh, we're, we're pretty intimately familiar with, you know, Bo Nix and his dad and the Auburn legacy and, um, things just, you know, it just didn't end great. You know, there's a lot of pressure from the fan base. So Bo had, I felt like Bo had to get out. Um, so the good thing for him is, is that he's cleaned up a lot of, a lot of bad habits. We've talked about that. I think that he's moved on mentally, um, and just proven to, to everyone that, that he can, you know, from a football perspective, play inside the pocket and not just be a runner on guy. Um, but also just like kind of clean slate. And, uh, you know, to me for just this is just me like going really too deep into the nitty gritty with personnel side of things. But like that's a different locker room in Eugene, Oregon, than it is in Auburn, Alabama. You're dealing with different types of kids from different backgrounds. And I think that's good for any quarterback. Now, Bo's been exposed to, you know, just different guys. And I think that's going to serve him well when he gets to the next level. So, um, you know, it, it doesn't always work out in the portal, but I think it's worked out well for Bo.
1: Washington's wide receiving core. Is that entire group NFL talent worthy when you watch them? Yeah. I haven't watched the
0: Pope kid because he's not, uh, he's not available to us, but yeah, for sure. Roma duns. He's our top rated senior receiver. Um, Jalen McMillan isn't far behind now. So uh, I think safely right now, they would both be day two draft picks. I've seen some, some first round stuff for, for Rome. Uh, They're both really good players, man. Yeah. They're both, they're both NFL starters. Again, just, leaning back into my NFL personnel background. Yeah. I mean, you can talk round all you want, but r- what really matters is what do they project to be, and both of those guys will be starting NFL receivers.
1: Uh, first round for Brock Bowers, who's injured in this uh, past weekend's game at Vandy for Georgia. He's going to have the tightrope s- surgery on the, the high ankle, uh, but it doesn't look good. Two-time national champion, and uh, again, first-round projection for him. Uh, what do you make of the injury and just given the fact that the talent that's going to be missed on the field for Georgia and what he projects to be at the next level, Jim?
0: Yeah, it certainly hurts Georgia. Um, not that they don't have good players. They have a lot of other good players. They have, they have a good receiving crew this year. So, um, and I think that they've done a nice job really incorporating Brock and making him like the central focus of their passing game, which is different from where they've been in years past with the guys like George Pickens. Um, but I'll say this, I'll use this as an excuse to let the Heisman, uh, the Heisman committee let, I'm going to let them off the hook a little bit because I doubt Brock Bowers would have been in New York for the Heisman presentation and he should have been. So I'll just, we'll use this, this injury as an excuse for them, for him not to be in New York, but, um, certainly if you were bringing the top five college players in the game this year, uh, to New York for the Heisman, Brock would have been one of those guys. Um, He's safely, I think the gap between him and the next best tight end in this draft is probably the biggest gap of any position group in this year's draft. Um, and now that you know the the intrigue will be around as Brock coming back and and playing the college football playoff if if Georgia can continue on the path that they're on right now and and go to a third straight playoff,'ll will, will Brock be there with them? I think that's what you know we'll all be focused on. Does he need to show anything more to NFL Scouts? Probably not. Um, he's probably locked up that top tight end spot and whoever wants to take a, a tight end up high, it will be Brock. Um, but I just knowing Brock and who he is and what everyone in the
3: building is, is
0: uh, I've heard about him over the years. He's He, I'm sure he's going to try to get back and, and, and get back with his guys for uh, another run.
3: Let's stay in the sec. Tennessee gets a big win over Texas A&M at home, but they do it with defense, uh, which is not something we've ever seen uh, under Josh Heupel. The defensive front has some veteran guys. Omari Thomas comes to mind in the middle. That's playing really well. Joe Milton having a disappointed, a disappointing senior season so far. What do you think when you see this Tennessee team not getting great quarterback play, but still finding a way to win against an A and M team that's challenged offensively right now as well?
0: Yeah, I think I I just think immediately Josh Heupel and that coaching staff and what a great job they've done. They're 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 winning in different ways, and that's. That's the sign of good coaching. You don't you don't need to have, you know, kind of a historic season from a Hendon hooker to win a bunch of games. Um, and that's what it and that's what they were last year. So just kind of a, a different incarnation of uh, of a Josh Heifel team. Um so very well coached. And again, it is has Joe Milton been disappointing um from, from an NFL person's perspective? Probably not. I just felt like Joe was built up, you know, Joe was built up a ton in the offseason and probably probably. Probably, uh, you know, unrightfully so. Uh, it, it's hard when you when you see the kid and you watch him throw it, like at the Manning camp, which I did. It's easy to get really enamored with the tools, and, and everyone saw the videos and all that. But uh, he had a long way to go. I mean, there was a lot of growth there that had to take place. And the season's not over. He still has a bunch of football to play. So uh, we got to remember, he's been in college football a long time, but he hasn't been the guy in a long time. So he still has growing to do, and, and hopefully he puts it together here in the second half. If I'm a Balls fan, that's what I'm excited about is that, you know, he hasn't played his best football. We'll, we're still we're still figuring out ways to win games. And, and so, like, at the Senior Bowl, we're not writing Joe off. I mean, there's still a lot of football to be played, but I just think it's great that that team's figuring out ways to win with defense.
1: Tennessee uh, on the road this week in Tuscaloosa against Bama is one of the top games of the college football weekend. The game, though, is Penn State, Ohio State. Are you headed to Columbus? I'm not, but I got the helmets behind me. No that's, but, uh, no,
0: <laughs> no, that's a big revenge game up in Tuscaloosa. Living down here in Alabama, that is, that is uh, they want it. revenge after last year for sure. Uh, but that Ohio State-Penn State's going to be a big boy matchup. I mean, we're really talking about three teams up there in the Big Ten right now between Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State. Will they cannibalize themselves? I, th- I think the Big Ten's worst fear is that they all knock each other off, and we're sitting here after the – ohio state michigan game and all three of those teams have a loss that that's worst case scenario for, for the conference but this will be a good game it'll be a really a, a first test for penn state um and then certainly ohio state had a, had a real big test against notre dame um so no this this will this will be a good one and there's there's a lot of great prospects on both sides of the ball we can jump into that if you want but this is going to be a great matchup yeah i was
1: going to say if, if, uh, football fans nfl or college you'll see the Two legitimate first round picks on the offensive line for Penn State, but also at wide receiver uh, with Marvin Harrison Jr. for Ohio State.
0: For sure. Yeah. Olu Fashanu, the, the left tackle for Penn State, is, is a really safe pick. Um, really good football player, really clean character. Um, you know, normally when we get guys that could be top 10 draft picks, like I'm realistic about senior bowl chances and and, and letting agents, you know, talk these guys out of playing in the game. But, but I've talked to some people up in Penn State. We might have a chance. I mean, here's a guy that could have went out, came out in last year's draft and been a first-round pick, and he chose to go back to school. So we're optimistic there. Uh, they got Caden Wallace on the other side at right tackle, who's a draftable player. Um, and then on the Ohio State side, yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, a really, really good player. And then a, a senior who we will be focused on and was our, one of our stock-up players for the week here at the Senior Bowl. is Cade Stover, their tight end. Had a couple touchdowns last week. Um, tight end hasn't been a real big focal point of the passing game since Ryan Day took over there. Um, but now, right now, Cade's on pace to break Ricky Dudley's um, single season receiving records for tight ends at Ohio State set way back in in like 95, 96. Um, so Cade's off to a great start. That's good. That's going to be a really fun matchup.
3: I feel like there's always someone every week, Jim, that, that you bring to us that, Maybe we're not asking about, uh, we maybe even haven't seen them a lot, but that you keep your eye on or that your scouts coming back to you to tell you about uh, each and every week. Is there someone that comes to mind this week that that you would like to talk about that someone's got an eye on?
0: Well, I, I'm, I'm really focused on what I'm doing this week. And I'm going back up to Auburn, uh, which I've been a couple times. It's uh because of my family, my son's up there, but I, I'm excited to see Ole Miss. Um, I've seen this old Auburn football team a couple of times, but Ole Miss had the most players on our watch list. And I said this at the start of the season, that was not because we thought they were going to win the SEC. It's because they had a lot of transfer portal guys and we, we needed to give them time and figure them out. Well, the staff is starting to figure these guys out. The grades are coming in. They're giving me real focus on who I need to, to uh, pay attention to on Saturday. So, like there's a running back. We I think we've talked about Ulysses Bentley, their backup running back. Quinshot Junkins was all the talk of college football when we were up there in Nashville for media days. He's a great player. Um, you know, and then he got hurt, Bentley got some run. And now we're seeing the last couple of weeks. Now that they've now that they've seen what Bentley can do, he's it's becoming more of a two-headed monster than just the Quinshot Junkins show. So I'm excited to see Bentley up in person myself. Trey Harris, the receiver who's had a monster year. I'm excited to see him up close. So um, it'll be a good one. And then another prospect, kind of off the radar for a lot of people, uh, JJ Pegues, the defensive tackle for Ole Miss, who at one time played tight end at Auburn, um, is going to be on that Ole Miss defensive line. One of the most athletic defensive linemen in the country. And I've talked to some NFL teams that when we get through the season, they're going to try to talk Pegues into playing offensive line at the next level because hmm. there's some there's some scouts that think he has Pro Bowl potential if he embraces the move to the offensive line. So that's a guy I'm gonna watch as well.
3: Well, you just brought up two transfer portal guys. So I have to ask the question, does the transfer portal make it easier or harder on you and your job when you get to see guys now at two different programs often?
0: It makes it harder to track them um, because some of these (laughs) guys are jumping in the portal over the summer and we lose track of them, but it does, it makes the evaluation easier. From a couple of things they're usually exposed to multiple schemes you can see them do different things on the football field but also now they're exposed to two different buildings full of people that, that have gotten to know them off the field so complete support staffs complete coaching staffs so now you're you're opening yourself up to a whole different group of people and and, and all you're trying to do as a scout through the process is to get to learn the player so I, I I don't know if I'm making sense, but the no, more people you, you can talk to the more sen- the, the more people you can talk to about these players, the better. Um, so it it is helping NFL scouts figure these players out.
1: Jim Nagy has been our guest. Final thoughts on the way out uh, Tell us about Tyson Bajet, the the backup quarterback at <laughs> Chicago uh, backing up Justin Fields from Shepard
0: Shepard. Yeah, yeah. Not, Shepherd in West Virginia. Not many people would, it would even heard of Shepherd University in uh, Shepherdstown, West Virginia. Uh, but we had Tyson in the game last year, so it's a, you know, people ask, you know, do you do you, you know, do you take any, you know, um, enjoyment out of seeing the guys? Of course, but it's more about what they've done. Again, we invited Tyson to the Senior Bowl last year because I thought the kid was going to get drafted. I thought he had draftable talent. Then he slips out of the draft, and you're very disappointed for him because that's every player's dream is to get picked. Yeah. He he doesn't get picked. Well, now it's like redemption. He makes the Bears roster. He's the number two. He's not even the third guy; he's the two. And now with Fields injury, he's out there. He scores his first NFL touchdown. Um, I hit him up after the game, just congratulating him. So really, really cool. Now I'm excited to see he gets a full week of work with the ones in practice and uh, they can build the game plan around his strengths going into the game as opposed to last week when he was kind of thrown in there. Uh, so, yeah, really cool story, man. Undrafted free agent from Division II as a rookie is out there starting in the NFL. So, just happy for the kiddies. Tyson's awesome.
1: Uh, so is uh, Jim Daggy, Chad. Uh, he's the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Always bring it. It's another great visit with you. Thank you so much, and uh, enjoy the college football weekend.
0: All right, guys. Have a great weekend. We'll yeah. see Same Thanks, to you. Thanks, Jim.
1: Uh, Ole Miss Auburn. I want to see Ole Miss in person again. I'm excited about that game. They – they have a chance. Yeah, It's a crazy one down the backstretch, but they're in the mix for the SEC. We'll jump back into the mix on discussion with Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, and Bill Belichick. That's next right here on Hotline. 6th and Peabody, our studio location. Love broadcasting live from here each and every day with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hotline with Honey Withrow here on Kick, Chad, a uh, great visit from Senator Tommy Tuberville, our best yet, we felt like, yeah. uh, with just the discussion points on NIL. and I mean, for the first time, we're discussing revenue sharing in college sports, even on Capitol Hill. He's mentioning that. Uh, six months ago, you couldn't get any of the decision makers to mention revenue sharing in a sentence, an answer, a phrase. They wouldn't say it. The only ones saying it were collectives.
3: Yeah, and and look, so many... I think so many arguments kind of become caricatures of themselves at times. And whenever there is an issue, when you present it, you get the predictable opinions that are very extreme. Uh, We talk about this. We'll see it on our our YouTube chat, I'm sure, or on Twitter, X, whatever. But you do this, and it's usually a existential crisis for the entire sport and players are getting away with too much and they're making too much and it's going to make everyone else jealous. The sport's falling apart. Coaches have no power, yada, yada, yada. Or it's these players making a ton of money for NIL and doing whatever they want. It's the greatest thing ever for the sport. Coaches, administrators need less power. Players need more and it's all good. There's no negatives to it. I thought that was a very nuanced discussion with Senator Tuberville. And what he said. And one of his main quotes and takeaways from me was him saying there needs to be revenue sharing. The Hutton asked the question about media rights and how much the networks are paying the sports that there does need to be revenue sharing. The issue then becomes, and he says this, the revenue has to be shared amongst all sports, male and female, if you want to do it that way. And when you do that, it could lead to other financial issues or problems. Hutton, I feel like there's a pretty clear-cut solution to this and a no-nonsense way about going going about it, but it's going to take some compromise from a number of people. And I think on all sides of this, compromise absolutely from coaches and administrators. They're the ones that are going to have to come down from their high horse the most in the NCAA, right? There's going to have to be compromise from players also. There's going to be compromise from everyone around this story. That was a very... Productive conversation with Senator Tuberville we had today.
1: Yeah, and I opened the show by saying like it's it's hard for me to listen to the top of college athletics cry poor, when it's a billion dollar NCAA tournament that Charlie Baker's overseeing, and they want to keep it that way for them, not the the athletes, and the media rights contracts alone. What with the SEC per team, the payout was ten million dollars in two thousand seven. It's 53, 54 million this past payout. And it's projected to be 105 million by 2029. And they want to keep the vast majority, vast majority of the percentage of that revenue. So if they want to point to all this money that's going to be distributed, well, stop paying the distribution amounts to coaching buyouts, and you'll actually get somewhere in saving some of the financial issues that you're having. Or paying coaches way too much for something they haven't done yet and by and large you end up firing them and paying the rest of their salary while they're sitting at home or they're an analyst collecting a $30,000 check so you have to keep paying them and the offset doesn't come into effect that that's where the disconnect is it's not that they can't afford they were affording to have all of the all of the teams all of the programs funded and it goes through football and hoops on campus. You still were able to do that. And now you're saying all of a sudden you can't do that while you're making $105 million a year instead of $10 in 2007? I'm not buying that crap. I'm not buying it. But they want the surface-level fan bases and the fervor and the attention to be on that more than it is about the almighty dollar because you don't see what goes on behind the scenes. And once the coach is fired – the fan bases are so pissed off at the coach that they'll pay him anything. They'll give up. They got a loan to help the school when the school actually doesn't need it at the highest level. The other, the other schools, I've long said, you have a budget. If you can't make your budget, it's not on the Power Five to help make Shepherd's budget. Right? Like it, it needs to be uh, more than just Division One, Division Two, and and so on. And I think we'll see that that branch off. But it's the same decision makers, Chad that sign these mega contracts and uh, do away with the Pac-12 that are trying to do away with collectives and the, the NIL model as we see it now. I agree, we need structure. There need to be guidelines, but it doesn't need to be so lopsided that we're back to what we had, which wasn't fair to begin with. And, and the same ones that did away with Pac-12 for more money are the same ones crying poor on Capitol Hill today.
3: Yeah, Penn State's not responsible for Akron's budget is what you're saying in terms of keeping them afloat. Um, And I I understand that. Instead of saying we can't do this, and that this in this case would be the uh, revenue sharing for players. Right. The schools have to get back to just not doing whatever the agent and the coach wants at all times. They have to fight back on that and it has to be a collective effort every school is so nervous that someone's going to poach their coach that they do whatever the agent asks of them and that includes these insane buyouts that these schools get tied up in when a coach goes there and doesn't win to the level they want i don't know if it takes just uh uh, almost uh, some version of collusion with all ad's everywhere to say we're not doing it anymore these insane buyouts have got to go away this is the financially responsible decision that we are making collectively to not go down that road again, and that's eliminated. Or they're going to have to go hire the coordinator that badly wants that opportunity to be the head coach at X school and that won't need a huge buyout because they want the opportunity to make some more money and they're not going to have to be tied down to a big buyout. I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. But it's, it is out of – if you want to talk about something that's out of control – and I can see the writing on the wall with this where some would be concerned that it, it may be untenable in the future if it continues to go down this road. I get some of that when you're looking at the future. This is untenable, though, right now. This is an issue that needs to be handled with these buyouts that are out of control in college. Sports. Well, and
1: when, whenever coaches say, oh, just, they say to call my agent, the agent is Jimmy Sexton. So the same agent that's wanting to the university to pony up more and give more control to the coach, more money, more buyout money – is the same agent that will be there replacing said coach when he's fired and is the same agent replacing the opening whenever Lincoln Riley bolts for USC. He's, got, he's landing one client in USC, and he's replacing his client back, uh, a new client back in Oklahoma. Like It's just a, it's a merry-go-round uh, of sorts. Uh, plenty to go with that. Um, and, you know, don't get me started on coaching search firms. Yeah, They're getting another, paid millions and they can't even hire their own coach because they, they need a search firm to do the background work. Yeah, it's another Whatever. complete
3: uh, waste of money by these schools. Hey, quick shout out and uh, congratulations to good friend of the show, uh, Nashvilleian Nate Bargatze, yeah. hosting SNL.
1: Got to sneeze. Coming up in a couple of weeks, Chad. Fought, uh, it, fought it. October October 28th. A week Nate would from, appreciate
3: me uh, blocking that sneeze. Right, right, a week there, from the uh,
1: Saturday, right? Yeah,
3: week from Saturday, musical guest Foo Fighters. That's a big deal. Nate has uh, risen to the top of the comedy game, and this is affirmation of that.
1: Like we I just sent him a text about we we will connect with him over this experience. Yes, that's going to be
2: awesome.
3: That is an interview that we will hopefully have at some point we to uh, to um, discuss the uh, the experience on SNL. Pete Davidson hosted the season premiere. Um, we've interviewed pete davidson before also uh we've been face to face with him when he was a young comic but that's very cool for nate so congrats to him
1: uh chad it hasn't gone well it's going great for nate Margazzi. It hasn't gone well for deshaun watson and no. the early uh stages of what is a mega contract speaking of big money in cleveland with the fully guaranteed contract we're hopping back on the bus or off the bus davy hudson rejoins us and We head to Cleveland for a big question.
4: We do. And before we get to that, I wanted to say my favorite buyout to then hire the next guy happened at the University of Florida where they ended up firing Will Muschamp, replaced him with Jim McIlwain, another Jimmy Sexton guy. And then Mm -hmm. once they got done there, Jimmy Sexton negotiated the buyout for McIlwain after there was a scandal about him making certain comments in regards to uh, death threats for the players. And Once that buyout was negotiated, they went and got another Jimmy Sexton client, Dan Mullen. So yeah, that, uh it's a lot of money right there. That's really the trifecta. That's what agents like Jimmy Sexton Jimmy like to call Sexton. it. If you can
3: if you can compound the interest of buyouts with three of your clients in yeah. one school, one after the other, you really and, and it. And I think it. We call final, it a turtle.
1: If you missed the interview, go go <laughs> check it out with uh, with Coach Tuberville, Senator from the... from Alabama. Uh, final thought on that: it's Jimmy Sexton, and it's the networks. Who are in control of college athletics, by and large, the money's not what you think in NIL compared to the money that both are involved with behind the scenes with big college athletics.
4: Both can be a problem too. All right, our yes. bus our bus isn't fancy enough that it's a Tesla self driving bus, so I'll take the reins back. But going back to Deshaun Watson, the Browns should have Deshaun Watson be QB two.
1: No,
3: absolutely off the, not. Off
4: the bus on this. It's it's one win.
3: It's a good win, but he's – that's your guy. I mean, look, it's not been good so far, but that's your guy. He looked good against the Titans. The hope is that he will look good again. You're paying him the guaranteed contract to be QB1. He's the starter in Cleveland when he's healthy.
1: Yes, and I'm assuming he's, uh, he's getting healthier instead of he's playing this weekend and then he's not. They're taking on the Colts. Uh, And for those, uh, just assuming that P.J. Walker had something to do with that game, if at least in the league I was a part of, luckily I I wasn't a part of playing P.J. Walker, someone did, and he scored all of 3.7 points in fantasy football last week as the starter in Cleveland. That tells you how much he had to do with that game.
4: Not saying he's more talented. By no means is that the case, but... Seems like the uh, team can tolerate PJ Walker a little bit more especially the head well, coach.
3: Well, here's here's what I would like to see from Deshaun Watson. Some urgency to want to get back. The, this is this is the chip that's used and if he is the wrong person to get this guaranteed contract, he would be the wrong person by wanting to sit on his pile of money and not being in a hurry to get back and help his team and lead the team and play on Sundays. I hope he's having showing some urgency around that building about wanting to get back and help this team. That's what I hope for the Browns. I hope that for him. I hope that for all future quarterbacks that are going to argue with their agent that they are the person deserving of all of this
4: guaranteed money. I hope that
1: for everyone. Davey, Aaron Rodgers and Belichick are also big discussion points here.
4: They are. And so, Aaron Rodgers, are we going to see him return to the – we will see see him return to the field this year.
3: On the bus. I have completely flipped on this. And seeing him throw the football uh, on the field, I think he's going to be back. And that win, I, I didn't think it would matter because the Jets would be out of the playoff hunt. They're three and three right now. I think they're going to win. They've got an easy easier schedule coming up. Hutton, I feel like this team's going to win enough where they're going to be in the mix mathematically.
1: And he's going to come back in late December. Raiders have three wins. Chargers are two and three. You've got the of course Jets at three and three. Bills are four and two. Steelers, Browns, Bengals, all with three wins. Colts, Texans, both with three wins. And then you mentioned the Jets. Uh, I'm on the bus with this. He's ahead of schedule. He's on the field, no crutches. He's tossing the football around. And the experts are saying he looks to be a month, month and a half ahead of schedule. I, I can't explain it. I can't expel how Ter- explain how Terrell Suggs came back with the Achilles injury in the same season. It's been done before. Uh, Here's hoping that Rodgers gets back, and yes, they're going to play him when he's healthy.
4: And finally, we go to Foxborough, and Bill Belichick will break the NFL record for most losses by a head coach. How many How many does he lack to he, get there? He will break the record with nine more losses. It's currently a tie yeah, between Dan Reeves and Jeff Fisher he's with gonna 165. Get
1: there. Yes, he's going to do it, and uh, he'll also become, I believe, the coach with the most wins in NFL history. He will break – Here's my prediction. He's going to break both records with another
3: team, not with the Patriots. He'll be fired at the end of the year, or he'll resign. He'll, be, he'll leave on his own. He'll get another job. He will be the all-time winningest coach and the all-time losingest coach with another team.
1: You'll be That's where he'll for one set both records. That's right. That's right. You have to play quite a bit to accomplish either, yeah. and you've got to be the best to accomplish one. Nothing there are a lot, more of, dangerous a lot of bad coaches that can lose games.
3: On, on the, other, the prior point, nothing more dangerous than Aaron Rodgers with a vendetta. And he's got something to prove right now because oh. people doubted his ability to come back this
1: season. He'll be back. We'll be back tomorrow, 3 o'clock Eastern, 3 to 6. Join us for Hot Mike with Honey Withrow.